series is entitled The Response. And we're really coming at the back of our Easter messages where we've been focusing on all that God has done for us, all that he's given to us, all that he's blessed us with, and all that he's made us in Christ Jesus. And we're looking at what our response ought to be. And over a series of six messages, we're going to be looking at the response of gratitude, the response of service, the response of walking in love, the response of honor, the response of generosity, and so on and so forth. Different responses that we should show to God for all that he's done for us. And so when I got to thinking about this word response, it got me thinking about how very often we see on the news screens the local authorities are always trying to cut down on the response time of the emergency services, amen? You see that in the news quite often, don't you? And it got me thinking at how the church of Jesus Christ ought to be a rapid response unit, amen? We always ought to be quick off the mark when it comes to serving Jesus. We should never be lacking in zeal or willingness or readiness to respond in different ways to God after all he's done for us, amen? And so today, what I want us to do is I want us to look at the response of gratitude. Response of having an attitude of gratitude. And that should be evident in the life of every believer, amen? That we're grateful to God for all he's done. And the text that we're preaching from today is 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 18, which simply says, In everything give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Jesus Christ. In everything give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Touch your neighbor and say it's for you. If you haven't got a neighbor, just pretend there's somebody there. (laughs) If you're sitting next to the wall, just turning. Amen. The response of gratitude. Having an attitude of gratitude because we, we look at that vision statement at the back reaching our city and beyond with the message of God's love grace and compassion we think how are we going to do that well it's all down to our individual response as well as our corporate response as a church and my message is simply titled having an attitude of gratitude the amplified version says in every situation no matter what circumstance be thankful and continually give thanks to God for this is the will of God for you in Jesus Christ maybe for some of you today it's difficult for you to think of something to praise God for maybe you're going through a season of darkness maybe you're going through a season where you feel hurt or broken or rejected and you find it difficult to find reasons to praise God well I'm here today to put a key in your hand to show you that there is a way, there's a law that we can unlock, the law of gratitude that will unlock the flow of God's blessing in my life and in your life and in the life of this church. And Paul says, this is the key. In every situation, you just need to give thanks. It doesn't say give thanks for everything. It says give thanks in everything. And you see, this is the difference. And this is all to do with our grateful response to Jesus. Now, you know, people have done studies and research has shown that negative attitudes have a detrimental effect for our bodies. But an attitude of gratitude actually makes you a happier and healthier person. If you invest in a way of seeing the world that is mean and frustrated, you're going to get a world that is mean and frustrating. But if you can find an authentic reason to give thanks, anything that is going right with the world or your life, 
and put your attention there, then statistics say you're going to be better off all around. Amen? Gratitude has a huge and powerful impact on our lives. One person said if we worried less, sorry, we would worry less if we gave thanks more. Amen? That's so true. Because thanksgiving is the enemy of discontentment and dissatisfaction. I'm going to read you a story about a man who was grateful for all Jesus had done for him. He's found in Luke 17, verse 11 to 17. And he's one of the 10 lepers that comes to Jesus. And it says this in Luke chapter 17, verse 11. Now it happened as Jesus went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. Then as he entered a certain village, there met him 10 men who were lepers, who stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. So when he saw them, he said to them, go show yourselves to the priests. And so it was that as they went, notice this, as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. There's the punchline right there. So Jesus answered and said, were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? Were there not any found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, arise, go your way, your faith has made you well. Amen? Arise, go your way, your faith has made you well. The King James Bible gets it best in this instance. It says, go your way, your faith has made you whole. Amen? Ten were healed, only one was made whole. Ten received a cleansing, ten received a healing, but only one was made whole. And that was the one that had the revelation that caused him to spin 180 degrees round and go in the other direction that the other nine lepers weren't going in. And the Bible is full of instructions and reminders of how we ought to be thankful to God. Here are just a few. Psalm 118 verse 24 says, The Lord has done it this very day. Let us rejoice and be glad. James 1, 17 reminds us that every good and perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows. Or perhaps my favorite scripture in the Bible that's to do with thanksgiving, Psalm 100, which says this, Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us and not we ourselves. And we are his sheep, the people of his pasture. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues throughout all generations. We live in a day that's really full of an attitude of ingratitude. We live in a society and a culture that is so full of this sense of entitlement, a sense of expectancy. Many people think that even just because they exist, just because of the fact that they exist, then they are owed a blessing. They are entitled to it. But that's not the case in life, isn't it? If people are giving out freebies and they're giving out one loaves, we want two. If they're dishing out free coffee, we're disappointed that it's not Starbucks coffee and it's freeze-dry coffee instead. If we're single, we want to be married. Amen. If we're single, we want to be married. If we're married, we want a better spouse. If we've got a job, we want a better job. If we get that job, we're not happy with that job, we want the best job. We're not happy with the car. 
Some of you are looking around and nudging your, your spouse, aren't you? If we've got a car, we want the upgrade. We want the best model. And this same spirit even filters down into our kids. They have no sense of financial boundaries. You give them the toy, they want another toy. They want the best toy. They want the new toy, the upgrade. And these toy manufacturers are onto it big time, aren't they? They know how to bombard you and saturate you with the right advertisements to pull and tug on that spirit of dissatisfaction of your kids. And I know well how that works myself with a three-year-old and a four-year-old that love their toys. And Timmy said, amen, because <laughs> we know what it's like, don't we? <laughs> But we know as believers that this pursuit of this false facade, that if I just get stuff, I'll be happy. If I just get stuff, I'll be satisfied and fulfilled. We know as children of God that nothing but Jesus satisfies. I want to tell you this morning, if you're listening by podcast or live stream, that nothing will satisfy you except a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Nothing will fulfill you except walking in the will of God and knowing Jesus. He is our all in all. And I want to say this at the start, that gratitude is the appropriate response to God's blessings in our lives. I'll repeat that, gratitude is the appropriate response for God's blessings in our lives. When was the last time we openly praised and thanked God for the blessings in our lives? For the blessings that came and got us out of difficulties? Someone has said before that if Christians were more grateful and thanked God more, the world would doubt him less. That's so true, isn't it? So not only is gratitude the appropriate response to God's blessings in our lives, but your gratitude to God is contagious. Amen? Come on, some of you look as though you need convincing this morning. Your attitude of gratitude is contagious. When people see you praising and thanking, it rubs off in them. Think about this, your gratitude, and our, our gratitude, I'll include myself in that, our gratitude could be the catalyst that moves somebody from doubt to faith. Amen? Amen? So an attitude of gratitude is really, really important. And we've got lots to thank God for. Amen? Yeah. We thank God for calling us, for saving us, for equipping us, for all he's done for us. Thank God that this morning he saved us from sin, death, hell, and the grave. He's paid the price, took the punishment. Yeah. He's, took the, he's paid the penalty so that we can go free this morning. And that should cause us to rejoice today. Amen? Which brings me back to the story of these 10 lepers. Leprosy was a destructive and disgusting disease. Back in Christ's day, there were no solutions. There were no cures. This was a disease that caused you to be alienated and separated and segregated from society. If you were a leper, you were caused to stay in a leper colony disassociated with society in Christ's day, the local health inspectors were the priests. So you had to go to them. If you had a skin condition, or if it was seen that you had something that was suspect on your skin, you had to go and be examined by the priests. The priests' role was to know and apply the law of God, and part of that was to examine people to see if they had leprosy. And if it was found out that you had that communicable disease that spread and infected other people, then you were segregated into a leper colony. And that was terrible because the people that you needed most of all, your nearest and dearest, your family members, you could not see them. You could not make contact with them. You could not come into a social place like the synagogue or in the marketplace. The only people that you could associate with were other lepers. 
And that's in the Bible, leprosy is a type of sin, it's a picture of what sin is like. Because although sin might not mar us outwardly, it twists us up and contorts us from the inside. And sin, although it might not separate us from people in society, is the thing that separates people from their maker, from their God. Isaiah 59 says that your sins have separated you from you and your God. And that's why people in the world that don't know Jesus Christ are separated from God. And so here are these lepers, they've got this terrible, terrible disease. And the worst thing about leprosy was that not only did it mess you up physically, but it was also viewed as being a divine judgment by God for sin. So as if it wasn't bad enough that you had this horrible disease that was eating away your skin and your nerve endings, eventually just consuming you, you also had to walk with the stigma attached to you that God was somehow cursing you for some sin that you've committed sometime or some of your family members had committed. What a terrible, terrible misrepresentation of God's heart. Amen? But I want to tell you this morning, there's a cure for sin. There's a cure for spiritual leprosy. It's called the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. It never fails. It always works. And if you'll apply it, trust in it, Take it as your own. You can walk out of here healed of your spiritual leprosy today. Amen. They lift up their voices. And it says they use this word to cry to Jesus. They say, Master, have mercy on us. The word that they chose to use there is a very significant word. In the Greek, it's epistatis. It's a word that was used to carry great significance and weight. It was a word that was usually used for people of honor. People who carried some sense of authority, or in Jesus Christ's case, miraculous healing power. And that says to us, listen folks, that these lepers, all ten of them, must have at one point in time been exposed to the reputation of Jesus. They must have heard somewhere along the line about Jesus Christ's reputation, about his mass healings. They heard about how he's casting demons out of people. They heard about how he's making lame people walk and blind people see and all kinds of sicknesses were going under his power. They had heard of Jesus Christ's reputation. And that's why they choose to use this word. And they say, Master, have mercy on us. Now, if you remember in the Gospels, anybody love to read the Gospels? You rewind to the back, to, back to the start of Luke's Gospel. Jesus heals another leper. And this time the leper comes to him and he says, Master, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus says, I will be thou clean. And the Bible says he reaches out his hand and he touches that leper. It's amazing that in the Old Testament, if you come into contact with leprosy, you get the leprosy. But in the New Testament with Jesus, amen, when the leprosy comes into contact with him, it goes under the divine power of God, amen, as healing power surges into that leper. But this time, Jesus asks these 10 lepers to exhibit enough faith to obey what he's commanded them. And he says to them, go and show yourselves to the priests. As I said earlier on, they were the local health inspectors. And the Bible says, as they went, amen. So can you imagine how amazing this miracle is? You've got 10 lepers. They've got leprous sores all over their skin. Their limbs are all tangled and twisted. They lift up their voices with this croaky, hoarse, squeaky voices. This choir, 10 of them crying out in Jesus and then he says, go and show yourself to the priest. It must have taken faith for them to do that. The Bible says, as they went, as they started to walk, they noticed that they were cleansed. Amen. That's amazing. Maybe it was that they noticed it on their body before they noticed it on themselves. Can you imagine 
they're just walking and leper number one, his name's Ben, let's see. And there's Joe further down the road. And he looks at Joe and he says, wow, Joe, that leprous sore that was hanging off the side of your face, it's, it's gone. You've got skin like a newborn baby. And he sees the healing on his body. Then Joe looks back to leper number nine or eight or whatever. And he says, wow, whatever the names, their names might be, Judah. Your leprosy's been healed and they notice and they start to say, wow, this is amazing. This disease has been made whole. We've been made whole of this disease. And then the Bible says that one of them, when he realized that he'd been healed, notice the words that are used here interchangeably, cleansed, healed, made whole. He recognizes that he's been healed. He recognizes that the miracle has taken place in his life. Now this guy's a Samaritan, so we can assume that the other nine lepers were Jews. Because Luke goes to the extent to tell us he was a Samaritan. And that's for a reason. Because the Bible says the Jews had no dealings with the Samaritans. And this leper spins 180 degrees. While the rest of them keep on going to where the priests are and the temple is and religion is. He spins 180 degrees because he's had a revelation of where that miraculous power came from. Amen? Do you realize this morning where the miraculous power came from? Amen, come on church, to change your life, to heal you, to make you whole. It came from Jesus Christ. And it still comes from Jesus Christ. It doesn't come from the temple. You see, the other nine lepers were going to the place of religion, where God's presence had long departed. In fact, over that same temple many years ago, there had been pronounced this name over it, Ichabod. The Lord's presence has departed. The glory has departed. This one leper had a revelation of grace. And he knew that the real temple, listen to me folks, the real temple was Jesus Christ. And the real presence of God, come on, wake up somebody this morning, the real presence of God was in this man, Jesus Christ. Jesus, remember, said to the Pharisees of his day, he says, I'm going to take this temple and raise it to the ground, and on, the th on three days I'm going to raise it back up again. Remember? And the Pharisees thought he was speaking about the main temple. Jesus was talking about his body. You see, he is the true temple of God. He was where the power of God was resident. And that one leper who was a Samaritan turned back. And look at the three things he does. He does. Going back into northeast there, he does. He does. Speak proper, Kenny. Not everybody comes from Inverallachie. Praise the Lord. Thank God for that. Sorry if you're listening and you're from Inverallachie. He comes and he glorifies God with a loud voice. Have you ever done that? That's a good start, isn't it? This is an attitude of gratitude. It says that he glorified God with a loud voice. And we know that he recognized that Jesus was God because look at what the next thing he does. He falls on his face at the feet of Jesus. He adopts a posture of worship. Amen? That's where an attitude of gratitude will take us. Into a place of worship. And then the Bible says, thirdly, he thanked Jesus for doing it. He recognized that the source of blessing came from Jesus Christ. And that's the first point I want to bring you to this morning, that number one, an attitude of gratitude, the person it acknowledges. The person it acknowledges. You see, they went back to the place of religion. The other nine went to the place of religion. The, that one leper went to the feet of Jesus, the revelation of grace, took him to the right place. I feel a rap coming on this morning. He came to the right place, to the feet of Jesus. And that's where a revelation of God's grace will take us every time, to the feet of Jesus, to worship him, 
to thank Him for all He's done for us. And that attitude of gratitude, I think, is encapsulated in this leper's life and the way he worshipped Jesus. And look at what Jesus said to him. He said to him, go your way. Verse 15, now one of them, when he saw that he'd been healed, turned back. Only one of them. When he saw that he was healed, he turned back, he came back, he stopped in his tracks, and he came back full of joy, full of, full of amazement, and full of wonder. Think about what this leper started to think. I'm going to get to see my family again. Amen? I'm going to get to socialize again. I'm going to get to go to church, go to synagogue again. I'm going to be able to just go to the shops and buy a loaf of bread again. The implications of this miracle must have suddenly just started to flood into this leper's head, head and he wanted to give God praise. Like a volcano, he couldn't contain his praise to God. That's how we should be in praise, amen? When people come in here for the first time, if they're not believers, they ought to see a people that are exuberant in praise. They say, well, why is she jumping up and down praising God? She's so dramatic. What a show she's putting on. Hey, you don't know the hell she's been through to get to Jesus. You don't know the stuff, the factors she had to navigate to get to church that very morning. Don't you tell her to hold back her praise. Loose her and let her go. She's worshiping the one that set her free. Amen. You say, why is this guy... That guy next to me, he's having enough of carry on worship. Why isn't he all dignified and somber in church? We should worship like this. You know, if you're going to lift your hand, at least be like a military type, raise your hand. <laughs> you know, we get so put up. You don't know what that guy came through. You know what the, the addictions he fought, the devils he had to beat, the healings he had to experience to get to church that morning. And he knows, the Bible says, he who has been forgiven much, loves much. It's the overflow of a forgiven soul and an attitude of gratitude acknowledges Jesus as the person whom the, the blessings come from. Amen. <clears throat> Jesus said, arise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. First of all, in this passage, we hear the word cleansed. Then we hear the word healed. Then we hear the word made whole at the very end. As I said, ten were healed, one was made whole. And that word is sozo. Sozo is a word that means you're made completely whole, mind, body, soul, and spirit. In every way, you've been made perfect. The healing power, the, whole, the wholeness of God had come into this leper's body, and he knew it. So what does an attitude of gratitude do? Because I, I noticed in my studying for this message that gratitude and thanksgiving are words that we use interchangeably, but they are actually different. See, gratitude is the attitude, but thanksgiving is the response. If you want to put it an easy way to remember, gratitude is the root. Thanksgiving is the fruit. So there's a difference between the two, but this story shows us that you can't have one without the other. Because if you give thanks and you're not really grateful, well, that's really just hypocrisy. But if you're really grateful and you don't give thanks, well, that's just downright rude, isn't it? So... We've got to have two. You can't separate the two. You need them both. But the key component, an attitude of gratitude takes the spiritual perspective and is able to thank God in every situation. Amen. An attitude of gratitude enables us to see things from God's perspective. Amen. A believer, a child of God is learning to see beyond the present suffering. The Bible says that the sufferings of this present time are not even worthy to be compared to the glory which shall be revealed in us. Amen? 
It's not even worth, it doesn't even come into comparison with what God has got in store for you and me. Eye has not seen, nor has ear heard, nor has it even entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed these things to us by his spirit. Amen? So an attitude of gratitude takes a spiritual perspective. It sees the end result, the great purpose and plan. So I said at the start, remember, we're not thanking God necessarily for everything, but we're thanking God in the situation. See, this is what an attitude of gratitude does. I'm giving you some help here. I'm giving me some help. I need this. For Mon- Monday morning is just around the corner. The Monday morning blues... One like the boomtown rat, she'll be singing, I don't like Mondays, oh my goodness, I've got to go to work. This attitude of gratitude will help you to soar. See, this is what an attitude of gratitude does. It thanks God in the middle of everything. And what that's saying is, God, I trust you. I love you. I believe in you. I rely on you. And in doing that, what you're doing is you're acknowledging that God is in charge and that he's working everything together for the good of those who love him, who are the called according to his purpose. So you're saying, God, you know the end from the beginning. Your days are in my hand. And regardless of what I'm going through, Jesus, I put my trust in you. Amen. And that takes me to the second point today. From the person it acknowledges to the power it releases. Think about what an attitude of gratitude releases. 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 23 onwards says this. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And make, may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Listen to this. This is one of my favorite verses in the whole of the Bible. Verse 24. He who calls you is faithful who will also do it. Amen. If he called you to it, he's going to see you through it. God is not a man that he should lie. One of the translations says that the one who called you is completely dependable. Amen. That's so good, isn't it? The one who called you is completely dependable. And so the one who assigned you, who appointed you, who anointed you, has a great plan for your life. Do you believe that this morning? I know that some churches, it takes a lot of convincing that God is a good God. I'm going to even go a step further, and please don't throw any tomatoes or eggs at me when I say it. God actually wants to prosper you. Amen. I heard from one of my friends, a young lad that I had the privilege of, bringing from a backslidden condition to a place where he was walking in the fullness of God, walking in the, the blessing flow of God in his life. We give God the glory. We never take the credit. It's always God that does it. He fell in love with a beautiful woman and married her. They have a beautiful young boy who's grown up to be strong and healthy. His previous career was all fishing-related stuff. And like me, he probably thought, well, how on earth am I going to do anything else that's not fishing-related? No qualifications like me. A couple of clever clogs, the two of us. And then a door opened for him, and he stepped through that door. And he began to be faithful. And he got a job working for a guy in a technology firm, working with GPSs for tractors and farmers and all the rest of it. And he started to be faithful in the little things. The Bible says, he who's faithful in least is faithful also in that which is much. Amen? And he just started to serve God. And he started to pastor a church down in Wales. He started to be faithful to God. Faithful to God. Low in numbers. It didn't bother him. Faithful to God. Preach the gospel. Keep on being faithful. And slowly but surely, the numbers are rising. And the numbers are growing. And the church is booming. Booming. And in the workplace, I just got news yesterday that he's been promoted to the, to the head salesman 
over the whole of the whole of the UK. Amen. The whole of the UK. Small beginnings. Start faithful. Trust in God. God wants to prosper our lives. Amen. He wants to prosper our lives. He wants to prosper our lives. That doesn't mean everything's going to be plain sailing, but God is a God of prosperity. 3 John, verse 2. Beloved, I wish that you would all prosper and be in good health, even as your soul doth prosper. Amen. God says, I want you to be prospering. I want you to be in good health in the same way as your soul prospers. So we've got to establish this fact that God wants good for our lives. God can use the negatives, but God is never the author of the negatives in our lives. Believe me. Our good, gracious, heavenly Father is not up there in heaven putting things on people to make them ill and to teach them a lesson. That's, God is not the author of those things, but God can use. Amen? God can use those things to bring us to where He wants us to be. He wants us to be prospering and in good health. And He can do it. He's able. You think, my situation... I hear some people speak to me. They say, my situation is unique. <laughs> you know, I, I know what other people are going through, but you know, what I'm going through is, is tougher, is bigger. Can you imagine God speaking to the archangel Gabriel or Michael up in heaven and saying, well, psh, when I went to the cross, you know, I didn't take into account this guy's problem. <laughs> I didn't take into account such and such a situation. I don't think God ever thinks, oh, I never did a good enough work on the cross that I couldn't take care of this one's situation or that one's situation. He's powerful enough to do it. Jeremiah 32, put this one in your notes. Verse 17, Jeremiah 32, 7. Ah, Lord God, you've made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. There is nothing too hard for you. Let's say that together. There is nothing too hard for you. He's able God wants you to have a blessed life, a good life. You might be at point A, but he sees you at point Z. He sees the end from the beginning. And an attitude of gratitude releases the power of God in our lives. And here's the problem. Sometimes God is wanting to transport us to higher ground when we're still clinging on to lower level mentality. Mm. We cling on to an offense. You know, my primary two teacher gave me a bad mark in that test. 25 years ago. Could have laughed at that. It's a little joke. You know, I'm holding on to that offense that somebody said something bad to me in the playground when I was a little boy. You know, that person said that one little thing. And the Bible says in Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily besets us or ensnares us or tangles us. Lay it aside. Lay aside every weight so that you can run the race with patience. Amen. Are you running the race, Destiny Aberdeen, this morning? Lay aside every weight, every hindrance, every encumbrance. You can't run a marathon. Any good runners here today? Anybody do running? You unhealthy lot. Unbelievable. Well, when you run, it's not good to run with weights on you. So I've heard anyway. Especially if you're running a long distance race, a marathon. You've got to lay aside every weight. You've got to train so you lay aside the, the weights, you run the race with patience, a long distance marathon. And as I'm running through life's journey and I hit a crisis, this is the mistake some people make. They curse the crisis and they lay that crisis in a little mountain and worship that crisis. And God's saying, hey, 
I can move you past that crisis. Just give me thanks. Just praise me. Just worship me in the midst of it. And that is the key, my friends, that will get me, that will get you above and beyond the situation that we're facing. Stripping off every unnecessary weight and the sin that easily besets us, let us run the race with endurance and persistence that is set before us. Amen. See, God's presence dwells in an attitude of gratitude. God's presence doesn't dwell in a place of bitterness, in anger. God's presence doesn't dwell in resentment and hatred and jealousy and envy and strife. Nowhere in the Bible does God say, I bless those things. But he does say, hey, if you'll just give me thanks in every situation, people say, what's God's will for my life? Well, here, he says, this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you, for me. And you see, people can't get that. Because when people have an offense with you or a beef with you, they want you to respond. But when you just say, I bless you, I thank God for you, I'm going on with Jesus, all the best to you, God's grace be to you. I'm going on. I'm serving him. Bless you. I tell you, people can't throw anything back at that sort of attitude. And the key is this, looking away from all the things, looking away from every distraction. What is a distraction? A distraction is an unhealthy attraction or a negative attraction. That's what a distraction is. And I'll tell you, I made a decision in my life, and I believe that you have too, drew the line to say, I'm not going to let anything stop me from fulfilling and reaching the destiny and the call of God in my life. Come on, I'm looking at some of you here today. And God called me to be a pastor. I didn't run into that as a, as a job or, or, a, or, or a whatever. Like, oh, that would be a good calling to do, be a pastor. No, if you, if you want, if anybody's got any sense, don't try and be a pastor. There's some advice. If you're listening by podcast, do everything you can to not preach a pastor. I beg you. I plead with you. And if God still gets you there, then you know it was God that did it. Amen. Charles Spurgeon used to say that. He said, do, whatever you do, try and, you know, don't try and go into the ministry. But with that comes a keen desire to see and spot potential in people. Sometimes that other people don't see. And I see people in front of me this morning that are full of destiny, full of potential, full of God's call upon their life. And we just need to unlock that law of gratitude, open up that key. When you're tempted to press send tonight, I dare you, I double dare you, I challenge you. Sunday night is Facebook time for Christians. They're all home from church. Everybody's home from church. Everybody's creative juices are flowing. Oh, I wonder what the service went like here or there. And And then somebody says something and you think to yourself, I was directed at me. They had me in mind when they said that. They're just saying that to get at me. They're not really saying it, but I can see behind the line, behind that, behind There's really, and your little finger is hovering. Come on, am I preaching truth this morning? This is not deep theology today. This is, re- the send button is there, and your finger is, what you need to do is press the delete button. Get that comment off the screen. Show an attitude of gratitude, and God will bless your life. Amen. God will bless you more, because an attitude of gratitude is a, is a person that acknowledges, there's the power it releases and there's the peace it produces. Amen. If you can get those things, if I can get those things, my life will start to go up instead of down. Because when we learn to give thanks in every circumstance, it produces contentment. Contentment. Do you know what the opposite of gratitude 
and thankfulness is. It's not discontentment. It starts with a negative comparison. It starts with a negative comparison. You look at somebody else. We look at somebody else. People look at what other people have. We look at things that I don't possess. And I'm instantly discontent. And as soon as that happens, that discontentment comes, we lose our peace. And we're no longer grateful for what we have. Do you know something? Satan has been using that same trick for thousands of years. He said to Eve, take a look in your hands. Look at what you don't have. Look at those empty palms. And that's what she did. And that's what Satan tricks people to do. Even today in 2017, that negative comparison. So when the enemy comes knocking at your door, tempting you to be ungrateful, tempting you to negatively compare yourself with others, what are you going to do? Are you going to open up the door? Are you going to let him in? Because if he does, the discontentment will only multiply and soon fill your heart. But we need to shut the door. Amen. Come on, we're ready to shut the door on negative comparison this morning. Listen to what Paul the Apostle said in Philippians 4 verse 12. He said, I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. He says, but I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. Whether I'm well fed or hungry, whether I'm living in plenty or in want. The secret to it all, folks, is knowing Jesus. It's knowing Jesus because that is the blessing that outweighs. I know that I'm preaching just now. And I just sense in my spirit that this preaching is landing in the ears of people who are disaffected from church. And have been out of fellowship, fellowship for, from church for about 20 years, even more. And my, my voice is coming to you right now. And even today, God's saying the door is still open. I love you with an everlasting love. I've not forgotten you. Those are people that, even though they're out of fellowship, they still understand this law. And they're still grateful for what Jesus has done for us. Many of you, under the sound of my voice, you're maybe hurt because of what went on in church. But you're still grateful and you're still thankful and you still know how to unlock this law of gratitude. And God's going to bless your life. Amen. Activate that attitude of gratitude. And as the worship team come up this morning, whatever you're facing, I want to encourage you like this leper. Like this one leper that turned back. Have you had that revelation of God's grace? Are your feet going in a different direction from the religious who want to follow rules and regulations? Have your feet taken you like this leper straight to the feet of Jesus. I want to challenge you this morning. Have you been made whole? Maybe like these other nine lepers, you say, well, thanks for the blessing, God. Sayonara. Or maybe you're that grateful leper that understands that Jesus, through his great love, has covered a multitude, a multitude of sin. And his grace is still operating in your life. Amen? Let's have an attitude of gratitude. How is your response today? With every head bowed and every eye closed and some of your eyes are already closed. Praise God. Only in destiny. Maybe it's the deep sense of God's peace that I here this morning. I could just be real and vulnerable with you. The enemy just threw a whole pile of stuff. 
to try and derail and distract and and even thwart the purposes and plans of God even for your pastor this morning and even this last week some of the battles we've got to fight will only stay with us those internal battles that we have to fight but I'll tell you something (laughs) I got into the prayer closet and I started to thank Jesus for all he's done in my life and the atmosphere just changed are you ready to do that this morning maybe somebody's never trusted in Christ maybe you're listening through the podcast as I said you can pray this prayer just say this God thank you for sending Jesus to the cross I believe that he died and paid the price on that cross for my sin Lord Jesus cleanse me wash me heal me make me whole I repent of my sin and I turn away from it and I turn towards you and I receive you into my heart as my Lord and Savior make me your child I put my trust in you Fill me with your Holy Spirit so that I can have the power to serve you. Thank you, Jesus, for saving my soul. And if you prayed that prayer, we want you to come in touch with us. Let us know that you've prayed it so we can help you to disciple you. For the rest of us, let's stand to our feet and let's worship the Lord with an attitude of gratitude, what we sing it to finish off with. Endless light. Amen. The one we sung at the start. So we should be already had a go at this one. So we should be ready to raise the roof. These, these false tiles are going to pop out because we're going to be singing with an attitude of gratitude this morning. God bless you. Thank you for receiving God's word this morning. Amen.